Mm. Some logic before we start dropping some hot logic. It's from his new video coming out on Bobby's World. But you don't come here for this. You don't come here for logic. You come here to listen, to be informed. This is 24's podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast. And what exactly is 24's podcast? Obviously, it is both a video gaming and a sports podcast. But for some weird reason, I have yet to talk about video games within almost two to three weeks. So let me get on and talk about video games for the first couple of minutes. Been playing a whole lot of multiplayer. Sorry about that. I've been playing a whole bunch of multiplayer games, trying to get back in the swing of things, trying to have some fun here. I've been having a whole lot of fun with Apex Legends. Season three, probably the best season I've seen in a while for a uh, a battle royale. I love all of the changes to the map. I I love the new weapon, the cyclone weapon, the the laser beam weapon. Literally acts as a sniper rifle, but it just, it deals like 90 damage per shot, per round. It's ridiculous. It only uses one bullet. You can you can do thousands upon thousands of damage, theoretically, with maybe like um, 11 bullets. That's ridiculous how much damage that thing puts out. It has no recoil, by the way. It has no, uh, it, 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 and it works like a sniper rifle. So the attachments, the weapon attachments, are sniper rifle attachments with energy weapons. So you can put an, uh, a four, a four times or an eight times on the damn thing, and it can just, I mean, it, it literally lasers people. It's ridiculous how strong that gun was. Or is in the game. But beyond that gun, and by the way, like, if anyone who's competent has that gun, it's pretty much over. You're pretty, especially at a longer distance. Because you pretty much just have to hide and cower now, kind of just, you know, in the corner, just like, how am I gonna fight him? How am I, I can't peek. Because every single time you get, you, you try and peek, you get lasered in the face and you just, all of your armor gets shredded like that. And you're just like, you know, you peek. Oh, wait, I just got all of my purple armor just shredded immediately. It's a great weapon in some cases, but uh, it, it's pretty freaking terrifying to go up against two at one time because you get pinched and two teams have the damn gun. It is ridiculous. It needs to get nerfed, probably by how much by the bullet consumption or something. I don't know. Energy what? Energy ammo? Doesn't it come? Isn't it hard to to come by? I don't know. But I've been playing a whole bunch of Apex, trying to get back into the swing of playing video games man because sometimes I have interest in some of the games that I play other times I don't this is kind of one of those times where I don't really have that strong of an interest in some of the games that are in my backlog and I say backlog with air quotes it's more along the lines of games that I want to replay you know it's kind of like oh I guess I could start off with Bioshock or something like that I don't really know just yet but we'll see Watching the Patriots versus the Giants, I actually recorded a podcast casting the game, and I was just like, you know what? Let's not put that one out there. Let's just uh, let's just keep that one close to the vest. 
Uh, wasn't because it was bad, just I was very, very tired, and it was like an hour and a half long of just me kind of casting the game unenthusiastically. So I was like, eh, 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 don't do it. Just don't put it out. So yeah, uh, not that's not coming out. But as I go back to playing some Logic... We got a whole lot of stuff on this podcast today. We got, obviously, Patriots versus Giants. I'll talk about that game. Sunday predictions. Dallas Cowboy predictions. And also, by the way, I was watching the new Dallas Cowboy head coach on TV today. I'll talk about all that and more on 24's podcast. Let me tell you something. There are very, very few tracks. There are very, very few songs on Logic that Logic writes about. Like there is the um, there is the unedited version of Lost in Translation. Not the unedited. The uh, the one where someone came after him because he was sampling someone else's work, and it was it was great. Like the song was great. I couldn't even tell which song he was trying to sample from. He changed it that much, and he was rapping over it. It it sounded really, really great. But um. Beyond that song, the loss in, the original Lost in Translation, um, that song, it's called, that he was just, you know, playing, it was called Ultra Violent, and it's, it, the, the album title is called The Louis Vuitton Briefcase, because <laughs> I guess, I, I, hold on, I can't see what the image is, because I downloaded it from his Dropbox, and I cannot see what the image is. What the frick is... What is the image that he uses? Oh, it's an actual Louis Vuitton brief. Like, I, I knew that that's what the album was called, but I was like, the image on my computer in the downloads, it, it, it's it's too tiny to be able to tell what it is. And then it's the inside of his briefcase. And the inside of his briefcase is like some journals and uh, like a beatbox thing and um, and some pens and stuff like that. That's cool. That's cool. So that's what I was listening to today. But um, the Giants versus the Jets. A lot of people were like, oh my God, the Giants, they're a really, really good football team. The Giants, they're they're so great, man. Their uh, Dallas Cowboy fans were apparently saying, oh man, the Giants are playing better than us. And I'm like, none of you are watching the game, I guess. <laughs> I'm like, Daniel Jones did not play very well, and neither did Tom Brady during like the first half or so. Like, both of them had, like, two interceptions on the game, and I think both of them were in the uh, in the first half. Oh, and by the way, uh, Daniel Jones had three total interceptions. But, I mean, that's why Bill Belichick, and by the way, the score was 35-14 to 14 for everybody who was watching the game uh, for, for, like, for, like, a couple of minutes. He had three interceptions, one touchdown, 15 of 31, 161 yards. Yeah, he's playing awesome. So you have one defensive touchdown, one offensive touchdown, and that's kind of it. And then the Patriots just ran away with it. Tom Brady had one interception. Excuse me, he didn't have two. I think there was like a fumble or something like that. I, I don't remember. Brady actually had two rushing touchdowns because he, he did the quarterback sneak. But, um, yeah, besides that, Brady was near perfect. 
31, 41, 31 of 41, 334 yards, zero passing touchdowns, but two rushing, and one interception. And I think he also had a forced fumble as well that was returned for like a touchdown or something like that. It was very, very un-Brady-esque because he held on to the football. He was just holding, 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 holding. And then he just didn't feel the pressure coming, and the pressure pretty much knocked him out of his uh, out of his cleats. Very, very weird of Tom to do that, but, you know, it's what happens sometimes. By the way, I am watching the Giants game. I, I think I already mentioned that, but it's like the third quarter, five minutes left. They just showed all of the players that are still playing in the NFL that were born in, 19, in the 1970s. And Josh McCown of the Philadelphia Eagles was one of them. We'll talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. But I do want to continue on the Giants versus the Patriots. Pretty good Thursday night football game. And uh, and then it kind of got out of hand. Once I saw that the Patriots kind of made the halftime adjustments that they needed, they weren't they weren't losing this football game. They were like, especially after, uh, what's his face, Golden Tate spun the ball in the end zone. I was like, dude, you're playing with fire. You're in Foxborough. They hate you. They're going to... They're, <laughs> They're going to rain hellfire upon you, dude, you know? And that's exactly what the Patriots did. They went on a, God knows how, they went on what? A 14-point tear in the fourth quarter, and they never looked back. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, man, this game is kind of in in that realm of possibility, but of, of you know, the Giants doing something. But I'm like, I, I was looking at the game, and I was like, man, like, they got to get something going on really, really soon or else they'll, they'll lose the football game because Brady, you know what he, he's going to do. He's going to make the plays. And the weird thing about the Patriots is that it was so windy, I guess, that um, that instead of opting to punt or kick the fo- fo- football for a field goal, they decided we're going to start just going forward on forward down. And that's what they started to do. They were like, eh, we're not, we're not really going to do anything. We're just going to just throw it. <clears throat> so that was kind of the Patriots versus the Giants game. The Thursday night football games, they're definitely getting better. They're definitely not as they once were, where they were just like, you know what, we're just going to have the worst teams in the NFL, the Buccaneers versus the Carolina Panthers, the Jaguars versus the Tennessee Titans, the uh, Chicago Bears versus the Green Bay Packers. We've we've had two solid weeks of really, really good Thursday night football. Um, I think last week it was, uh, what was the Thursday night football um, I, I forgot, but I remember it was like Eagles versus Packers. That was a Thursday night football game and then something else. So there's been a lot of really, really good Thursday night football games that have been played in the NFL, including this one, Giants versus uh, New England. And by good Thursday night football game, I pretty much mean just don't watch the third quarter and uh, kind of watch the fourth quarter because it gets out of hand really, really quickly. Speaking of getting out of hand really, really quickly. Eagles are now one game, are not even one game behind Dallas. They are tied with Dallas for placement in the NFC East. They are 3-2, and two, just like the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. I mean, for some weird reason, before I talk on the Eagles and the Cowboys, for some weird reason, the NFL Network really, really likes to put the Bucks and the Panthers on a primetime listing. 
Panthers and Bucks are going to be played in London tomorrow at 8.30 a.m. for some unknown reason. Like, out of all the games tomorrow, I... I... I I don't get it. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't get the Panthers versus the Bucks. But that's tomorrow. That is tomorrow. Why is it tomorrow? Why is it happening so early on in the morning? I don't really know. I I know yes that it's being played in England, but I don't necessarily know why it's those two teams. Speaking of which, by the way, actually, you know what? I actually like the matchup now. Here's the reason why I like the matchup: the Buccaneers for the past couple of weeks. Uh, Bridgewater hasn't, not, what, what's his face? Uh, Winston, he hasn't looked like a bust. He looks like he may get a contract extension. He beat the Rams. He competed with the Saints better than the Cowboys, 24-31. Let me see his numbers in, uh, in that Saints game. Because I haven't watched a single Buccaneer snap. Did I? I mean, he, he, he was 15-27, two touchdowns. I mean... Really, his 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 guys that were rushing. I mean, Ronald Jones the second three point nine, Peyton Darby four, but he had eight carries for thirty two yards. I mean, I I don't know. He he didn't seem to have a rushing game, and he he had he had some pretty good numbers. What I'm trying to say. <clears throat> But Winston seems okay. The Panthers, Kyle Allen, what was his numbers last week? Kyle Allen is kind of one of the guys that I haven't been paying any attention to. By the way, this guy, Gardner Minshew, 374 yards, two touchdowns, 26 of 44. Pretty good numbers. Kyle Allen, 17 of 30. Why? What? 17 of 30, 181 yards, one touchdown, and they won it. But that was pretty much because of a ridiculous effort by Christian McCaffrey, 19 carries, 176 yards, he had a 9.3 yards per attempt, and two touchdowns, Christian McCaffrey was doing it big, oh, by the way, he also caught six balls for 61 yards and one touchdown, he was absolutely fantastic, this dude, Christian McCaffrey, let me readjust in my chair, Oof, man. Panthers, I think, are on a bye. Yes, they are on a bye week. No, they're not. Oh, my God. How, how have I been talking about... I'm, I'm a little bit tired. I'm like, how have I been talking about the Panthers for a couple minutes, and then I don't see them on the schedule, and I think they have a bye week. They don't have a bye week. They're playing the Bucks tomorrow. The Jaguars are playing the Saints tomorrow. Very, very... Did both teams kind of switch who they're... Yeah, both teams kind of did. The Panthers are now going to play the Bucks. The uh, yeah, so both teams they're gonna they're gonna kind of trade dancing partners, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, they will. But look out for weirdly enough, this dude. What's his face? Wins. Look out for Winston tomorrow, and also look out for Minshew, because he's playing the Saints tomorrow. So that's going to be a quote-unquote real test for him against uh, against the Saints. Then you have Washington versus the Dolphins. My only question is, <laughs> who's going to win it, you know? Who's, who's, who's going to win it? Is it going to be Washington? Is it going to be the Dolphins? 
Who is so who is who is probably the worst of the two? Seriously though. Is it gonna be Washington? Is it gonna be the Dolphins? I, I I'm very, very excited to see that football game just to see who's going to win it. Because you probably have the two worst teams in the entirety of the league. The uh the Washington team just fired their head coach, and now they're head coachless. So now what are they gonna do? That's a pretty good question. They they apparently want to send What's his face? Dwayne Haskins for a year. Now, a lot of people, they have the notion of, well, if you play every single player, the player will get better. That's the that's the notion with every single player. And I agree with you, when, not 100%, 99%. That if you play a player, that player will get better. 99%, I'm with you. The 100%, the 1% that I am not with you, the quarterback position. That is the only position that if you don't play, he will not get better. He will not learn the sport. That is the only position. The only position. Because how you win with the quarterback is with your arm, but most importantly, with your mind. And that is, it is the most, like, studied position. You got you to understand where your guys are going. You got to understand where uh, the ball is going, you got to understand the defense. As a wide receiver, you don't have to learn any of that stuff. All you have to do is know and understand where you have to be on the football field. And somewhat, and you, you really don't even have to know what defense the other team is running. Well, you do, but it'll come out as the play develops, you know? You're really not going to read the defense like the quarterback. Most, most players on the offense, they won't read the defense like the quarterback. Maybe the center... Maybe he will, for the most part. No, not really. You won't know the coverages. It's it's a cerebral position. So if you don't have the experience, if you don't have the knowledge, you're going to be behind. You're going to be far behind. You're going to not be able to understand, okay, this is where the ball has to go. This is how fast the ball has to come out of the pocket or out of the backfield or whatever you want to call it. This is when I should, you know, this is when I should give the ball to the, to the running back in an RPO scenario, da-da-da-da-da-da. There's a lot of difference. There's a lot of different things as the quarterback that you have to understand. Uh, you know, blitz coverages, stuff like that. Who's picking up the man who's blitzing? Hopefully I'm saying the right terminology. I'm not very, uh, I don't have the linguistics of football, even though I'm a huge football fan. Hopefully I'm not sounding like an absolute moron. But you get the point. There's a lot of stuff for the quarterback to learn and understand as the game goes on. And learning learning how that goes into play. Learning all of the stuff that you need to learn to be able to be successful in the NFL while also learning the offensive scheme, while also learning the receivers and the routes and how fast the ball has to come out and you know how tight the coverages are going to be defensively. Like all of that stuff takes genuine time and and you know to process and learn the information. So I have no problem if Washington sits Haskins. It doesn't mean that he's not worthy of being a high first round draft pick. Everybody's like, why aren't Washington playing Haskins? It's because this damn season's over with. It's over. They just fired their head coach. It is over. Well, what about Baker Mayfield? What about Baker Mayfield? His team won seven games, didn't go to the playoffs. Yes, was it an exciting season? Of course it was. But they went nowhere fast. They were seven and nine. That's a losing record. 
It didn't change anything. Sure, did he gain some experience? Of course he did. How's that working out for him right now? He got his tail whooped in San Francisco against the 49ers. And I love me some shake and bake. I love me some some Cleveland Brown action. I even said it. I'm like, listen, I'm going to stay with this team until it is literally impossible for them to make it to the playoffs. Is there If there is 1% that they make it to the playoffs, unless they get eliminated, unless they lose so many doggone games, even if they lose 10 games, if, is there a chance for them to make it into the playoffs? Probably not. But as, if there is a chance, I will roll with this team. I'm not the type of guy to jump on, then jump off. I'll reevaluate my decision-making after the season is over, but I'll take a shot. I'll be okay. You know, it's not that big of a deal if I'm wrong once in a while. Still the seventh week, sixth week. I don't know how many weeks it is. Midway through the season in a couple of weeks, if they don't have, if they aren't 500, I'll start, I'll start panicking just a tad. Especially if they're two games, three games away from being 500, which they most likely will be. They're playing the Seahawks tomorrow. Then they go on, I think, next week to play the Patriots. So they probably will be 500 for the season (laughs) or less than 500. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, A lot of the teams that were playing great last last year aren't playing so great anymore. So we'll see. About those doggone Cleveland Browns. Browns against Seahawks. Eagles at Vikings. Let's uh let's listen to the experts. I want to hear what the experts are going to say about the Cleveland Browns versus the uh the 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 what are what are they called the the Minnesota Vikings. This is how we skull. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Okay, it's already muted, thank God. I got an advertisement for it. Still getting that ad. Can't skip it. It's one of those unskippable ones. All right, here we go. Here's the uh, here's the predictions with Minnesota versus the Eagles. Matchup in the NFC. Potential playoff preview here, Buck. Philadelphia Eagles, they go on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings, coming off a very big win for both teams. Yeah, I don't know how to take the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings didn't have any drama this week. Last week they had so much drama, they played so well. I kind of believe that that should be a part of the recipe for being successful. But when you look at this Minnesota Vikings team, it is all about the run game. It is all about Dalvin Cook. Set. You don't think the team that was chanting Skull in the team's fans, the Eagles were chanting Skull. The fa- let, me, let me try and find it. Let me try and find the Eagle fans chanting Skull, which is the Vikings thing, when they were beating them in the playoffs. Let me, let me try and find it. find it let me try and find it here we go here we go this is the uh this is this is the eagle fight it's it's a three minute video i want to see all of it i want to see all of it well if it was true last week and now we got a flag there's a fight on the field fight on the field a flag is two players at least started to shove they're singing that stupid Philadelphia Eagles fight chant song. Fly, Eagles, fly to the road to victory, which is the most ridiculous thing ever. How do you have a fight song when you have no fight? You guys, the Philadelphia Eagles, how many how many wins have, how many Super Bowl wins have they had? 
Oh, one in 60 years. And they have their own fight song. They have their own fight song. And they are able to separate the players. The cheerleaders come on the field and they start dancing, which it's dancing slash twerking. On, it, it really is. It, it really is. They start walking up on the field they, with their pom-poms out. And the players, the Vikings players, and the cheerleaders, they're just dancing in front of the freaking Viking players, adding insult to injury. And they are able to separate the players. And Zimmer, Mike Zimmer is out there making sure. How annoying must that be to have these girls just run out in front of them and just start freaking dancing in front of you? And they took it. They took it. They took the long end of the stick and they took it proudly, the Vikings did. Nothing gets out of hand in what's obviously a frustrating game for this Minnesota team. Excuse me. Bo Allen was out there, and then a hit from Anthony Barr on Brett Selleck is what started all that. E-A-G-L-E-L, Eagles. L-E-S. Any team that has to spell their team, <laughs> any fan base that has to spell their teams, like uh, their their name, I think is like a little bit ridiculous. There's only two teams that I know that do it: the Jets and the Eagles. Do the Patriots have a fight song? No. Do the Steelers have a fight song? No. Do the Cowboys? Do the 49ers? None of these teams with a lot of Super Bowl victories have fight songs. The only teams that do are literally the worst teams ever in the history of the NFL. If you actually look at the uh, the Super Bowl wins. In the past 60, you'll notice the Vikings up there. The Vikings, they have gone, they have never won a championship ever. Ever. At least the Browns, they won like that NFL, the the, the football league. It was the league before the NFL. At least the Browns won that. The Vikings have never been to a Super Bowl. That's how terrible they are. Playing in this game, and there's no question that the Vikings are... Highly disappointed to be playing the way that they're playing, but Xavier Rhodes, Harrison Smith, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Dalvin Cook, Mike Zimmer, indoors in Minnesota. Let me tell you something, man. Let me tell you something. Do not sleep on that Vikings team against Kirk not not against Kirk Cousins. What's his face? Carson Wentz. I'll say this once, I'll say this a million times. I think Carson Wentz is the next Tony Romo, Matt Stafford. I think he is the next guy that is going to be uberly talented, but is going to fall short of expectations. Don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on that happening. Because everybody is. Everybody keeps telling me he's the greatest quarter. He has the exact same talent as Patrick Mahomes. He's the greatest quarterback. He's the greatest young quarterback talent since Patrick Mahomes. Everybody keeps on telling me he's like the next great Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, Patrick Mahomes gets stuff done without having Tyreek Hill. And and I've never seen Carson Wentz do half of what Mahomes can do. Sorry. It's just what I am literally watching on television. So, for me, you got it. You want to tell me that that uh, what's his face Carson Wentz is going to beat, and every single time, like Tony, he has expectations. He falls flat of those expectations every single time. Last year, you everyone told me, 
oh, oh, you know, Carson Wentz, he's going to return to MVP format last year. This is it. This is when he's going to return to form. Oh, wait, he gets hurt. This is the year that he's going to turn back into MVP form. And by the way, I looked over his stats. His stats weren't as good as Dak's stats last year when he was in his MVP form. Yes, they weren't. Look them up. Look them up. Look them up. In fact, I'll do it for you. I'll do your job for you. Let's look at Dak Prescott's stats last year and the stats of Carson Wentz when he had his MVP year. Everybody said this dude was was fantastic and this dude is going to go gangbusters and this guy is just phenomenal and he's great and da-da-da-da-da-da. Let's see his stats comparatively to Dak Prescott's stats, who, by the way, in almost eight weeks is on track to go- Oh, Jesus Christ, Dak. Holy smokes. Dak Prescott is on pace to do exactly what I said he was going to do. Throw for 30 touchdowns in the regular season. Have a two-to-one touchdown and interception ratio. Or something less than that. I think I said like three-to-one. Eh, he's, he's a little bit below. He's a little bit below that. But I said 30 touchdowns total, which I, I don't think I'm wrong on that. I think he has like 12 or 13. And uh, total, not just passing. And he has 1,600 yards in six weeks. And he has 69.6% completion percentage. 69.6. 106 passer rating. But we're not talking about this season. Who, by the way, Dak Prescott, I should I should mention this. And uh, in five weeks, he has almost half as many yards as he did during his, uh, during, during, uh, not during, but last season. He has, last season, he had 3,885 yards. This season, right now, he has 1,600 yards. 1,606, technically, but you get the point. He's almost where he was. He is almost halfway to being where he was. Uh, he, he is almost halfway to getting half of last year's yards in six weeks. Like, all he needs is 300 yards, and bang, he's he's halfway to 3,885. Like, I'm trying to tell you, man, don't sleep on Dak. And um, I'll say this before I compare Dak to Carson. A lot of people are just absolutely shitting on the, uh, on the Cowboys, and that's perfectly fine. I, you know, they haven't been playing very well. I'm not the type of person to be like, well, the Cowboy... I, I'm not the type of person to defend something that's indefensible. And they have been playing pretty badly defensively, of course, and the running game. But um, the only thing that's kind of been playing really, really well for the past couple of weeks has been Dak Prescott. Uh, 463 yards against the Packers. The loss against the Packers, 61% completion percentage. Two touchdowns, three interceptions. Two of them, by the way, weren't even his fault. 83 passer rating, 223 yards against the Saints, 66.7% completion percentage, one one interception. By the way, he probably could have had 500 yards if the refs had actually called some of the uh, the pass interferences on the uh, the Green Bay Packers. Yes, I'm still a little bit salty about that. And then on and on and on, 59 uh, completion percentage against the Dolphins, 246 yards. Weirdly a weird game. Like, that was the d- game that he was supposed to blow the doors open, but he didn't. But still, two touchdowns, 
against Washington, three touchdowns, against the Giants, four touchdowns. Like, you get the point. He, he scores a lot. He gets a lot of yards. Four, he has two 400-yard games on the season already. So, I mean, he he's he's already in a whole nother, like, he is, he is playing way better than most quarterbacks are. Now, let's go over to Carson Wentz. Let's just compare his statistics of this year. Against the Jets, 189 yards, one touchdown. 58.6% completion percentage. Holy shit, he has not been playing well this entire season. Holy fuck, man. 189 yards, 50... Is, is nobody gonna talk about this shit? Holy shit, I'm, I'm, I haven't seen Carson uh, ever since like the Washington game. Does anyone not recognize this shit? Holy shit, man. Let me let me read you, let me read you some of his stats, right? Washington, he blew the door open. 71% completion percentage. 313 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 121.0. We get it. You can blow the doors open on Washington. Check this out. Against the Falcons, a team where the expectations are significantly low. They are as low as it can possibly become. Against the Falcons, 58% completion percentage. No, not low. The expectations are low. The expectations are high. Against the Falcons, 58% completion percentage. 231 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, 61.3 passer rating in a loss. Against Detroit, 52% completion percentage, 259 yards, two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 94.6 passer rating, and yet again, a loss. Check this out. Green Bay Packers, 59% completion percentage, 160 touch, uh, 60 yards, excuse me, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 113.2 passer rating. In a win. That wasn't really his win. That wasn't really what Wentz was doing. And everybody was like, yes, this is what Carson Wentz, this is what the Philadelphia Eagles should do. The Philadelphia Eagles should just run it, run it, run it, run it, run it with their with their running backs. And I'm like, Carson Wentz didn't do anything that game. He literally just freaking threw, I think, a couple one-yard touchdown passes, and that's kind of it. Really didn't do a whole lot. I watched that game. Didn't really do a whole lot. Then against the Jets, you have 58% completion percentage, 189 yards, one touchdown, zero interception, zero interceptions, 89.6 passer rating. But that's against the Jets. If you've been keeping track, and you know, I know I've thrown a bunch of numbers at you, but if you have been keeping track, Carson Wentz has thrown below 60% completion percentage since the start of the season. Since week two, excuse me. It's been four weeks since he has gone above 60%. And if you're wondering why 60% is such an important statistic, 60% is average. He has been below average in completion percentage for four weeks. That's been hush-hush for the past couple of weeks. Nobody's been talking about that. This is the, uh, this is the guy that's supposed to be as great as Patrick Mahomes. In fact, let me pull up Patrick Mahomes. Because this isn't even fair, because everybody keeps on telling me this guy is as great as Patrick Mahomes. Let's see how great Patrick Mahomes has been in, uh, in, in the past four weeks. Let's see. Let's see. Against the Raiders, 
68, what? Okay, yeah, yeah. 68%, I'm like, I'm like, I, I was thinking that Patrick Mahomes was a bear for like two seconds. I'm like, didn't he play the Raiders last week? No, he didn't. Should have gotten drafted by the Ra- by the Bears, but you know, hey, whatever, it's their loss. 68% completion percentage, 443 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, 131.2 pass rating. By the way, that's a Raiders team that has beaten some pretty good teams, has stayed in there with some good teams as well. Against the Ravens, 73% completion percentage, 374 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 132 passer rating. Pretty good, pretty pretty good game, pretty good game. And that's a win, by the way. These are wins. These aren't losses. These aren't close games. These are wins. Against the Lions, saw this game, loved it, uh, 57.1% completion percentage, 315 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, 81 passer rating. But I think they scored like three or four rushing touchdowns. So it's like, you know, who cares? Against the Colts, 56.4% completion percentage, 321 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 91.9 passer rating. So even in his quote-unquote bad games, Patrick Mahomes can still throw the doors open on some of these teams with 321 yards. Carson Wentz is throwing about half of his yards right now. Which is, by the way, why Patrick Mahomes... Already in week six, has 1,831 yards. Blowing the front doors open on Carson Wentz, cementing himself strongly in as a uh, as an MVP caliber player. Let me look at one other player's statistic. Statistics here in a second, in a moment. Because everybody has been telling me, well, Russell Wilson is gonna be is gonna be an MVP caliber player. Uh no, he's not. I'm like, uh, no, 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 he's not. He has 12 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He, but he almost lost to the Cardinals, right? He almost lost to the Cardinals. Didn't he almost lose to the Cardinals? 27, no, he didn't. I'm like 27 to 10. He lost to the Rams and he threw four touchdowns. He was immaculate that game. 264 touch, uh, rushing, not rushing, uh, 264 yards. Thinking you beat the Saints, right? You beat the Saints. Didn't he beat the Saints? I don't know. He's he's gonna beat the the Browns, of course. The Browns are. Pfft. I mean, you want to talk? You want to talk about an easy game? The Browns. No, he beat the he beat the Rams tw- uh, thirty. So his team is what three and four, and he beat the Steelers. He put, he hold on. His team barely beat the Bengals, barely beat the Steelers. The Saints beat them. The Cardinals lost to them. They barely beat the Rams. Okay. Yeah, Russell Wilson's numbers there aren't as good as Mahomes' numbers. But going, sorry for bifurcating this so much. Carson Wentz's stats, though, if you remember, as I went on a tear. Carson Wentz's stats overall have not been very good comparatively to, and by not very good, I mean they haven't been as good as, obviously, Patrick Mahomes' and Dak Prescott's stats. But these two guys are getting, and by the way, Patrick Mahomes, I should have mentioned this, hasn't thrown an interception the entirety of the season. 11 touchdowns, 1,831 yards, no interceptions. But it's 
Wentz, not Wentz, it's Dak and Mahomes that are getting killed in the press right now. But everybody is forgetting this one guy, Carson Wentz. He's played up against some great defenses. Good defenses. By the way, against the Packers, against the Packers, should say this, Dak Prescott had 463 yards, just saying. I don't care if it was garbage time. He put up those numbers now. Put them up. Hung them up. 463 yards. Hung on the Green Bay Packers. Wentz, a measly 160. By the way, Dak's wide receivers were, were playing hurt. Sixteen hundred yards to Wentz's eleven hundred yards. This is supposed to be the guy that's supposed to be the MVP of the league. This is supposed to be the guy that's going to take Dak Prescott. This is this is why, by the way, I am so calm in the Philadelphia Eagles because they'll they'll screw it up. They'll screw it up eventually, as Stephen A. Smith on First Take says this all the time. Just wait, they'll screw it up. And referencing the Cowboys, but this time I am referencing the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think this video that we were looking at a little while ago will add even further to this notion that the Philadelphia Eagles will continuously screw this up for themselves. Uh, You don't think these two guys sitting on the sidelines, sitting on the bench, Xavier Woods, Harrison Smith, those guys, they forgot when you did the skull chant in their faces... Because the Philadelphia Eagles, they have to have their cake and eat it too. And you know what? I think it's going to be a mobbing in Minnesota. And I would not be surprised if those damn Minnesota fans started to sing the Eagles fight song. After the play was over, personal foul, unnecessary roughness, Minnesota, number 55. A 15-yard penalty will be enforced on the kickoff. Well, here in Philadelphia, they're doing the skull, at least hand motion with the chant, but they've changed the word to fold with regard to that. After the play was over, personal foul, unnecessary roughness, Philadelphia. 15 yards from the dead ball spot, first down. So they trade personal fouls. The Patriots have three of the last four double-digit fourth-quarter comeback wins in the postseason. They were down 20 to 10 today. They won 20. Janoris Jenkins is talking to the, uh, the not the Philadelphia, the Minnesota Vikings squad. Case Keenum is in the huddle. 38 to 7. Listen, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, last season, they got their ass whooped because they talked way too much shit. They were talking way too much shit. Teams were like, we're going to murder this team. We're going to make sure that the Super Bowl victory. They didn't, they barely made the playoffs. They barely made the playoffs with wins. I've seen way too many Romos. I've seen I've seen way too many Matthew Staffords. I've seen way too many Tony Romos, Jay Cutlers. Seen way too many of them. I know the sight of a Jay Cutler. Cause see, the the issue isn't whether or not they're talented or not. That's not the issue. The issue is what are you willing to sacrifice to win? What are you willing to sacrifice? Foles was willing to be a leader, sacrifice some of his pride, say, you know what, guys, we we I, I really need you. Thank you. Thanks for supporting me, offense. He's not gonna scramble outside of the pocket and throw strikes and do what Wentz always does. He's like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta do what 
Doug Peterson tells me to do. I got to go with the game plan. And he won a Super Bowl because of it. He's gotten a, he has a statue of himself in Philadelphia. It's not Carson Wentz. It's Nick Foles who has the statue. You think they're putting up a statue of Carson Wentz anytime soon in Philadelphia? I don't think so. You think Carson Wentz, he's going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon? I don't think so. Before people keep on, and by the way, I, it's pretty ironic that I'm talking about Dak Prescott and, and Carson Wentz because I'm watching a Dak Prescott commercial right now. I'm watching the uh, the Sleep Number commercial. Dak does a great job in it. Great, great commercial. But, you know, everybody's going to say, well, well, is Dak going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It may not be this year. may be next year. may not be next year. may not be the year after that. Or it could be those years. I think we have a really good shot with Dak Prescott, quarterbacking the Dallas Cowboys. I'd rather have him, because to be honest with you, I'd be way more afraid of the Philadelphia Eagles if we had Carson Wentz and you guys had Dak Prescott. Because at least you, A, have a quarterback who's healthy, B, can deal with the drama, and C is one of the toughest young football players in the league who is also a fantastic leader. Your guy, the Philadelphia Eagles, their guy has articles written about him how he lacks leadership qualities. If you ask me, and you are, because obviously you're listening to this podcast, I would take Dak Prescott right now, right here and right now. I, I, I will say this. I've said this once. I will say it again. I think the Philadelphia Eagles made a huge mistake by signing Carson Wentz to that long-term, long-deal prospect. What? What did I just say? Long-term, that long-term deal. Not that long-term deal prospect. What the hell did I just say? Jesus Christ. But they made a mistake is what I'm trying to say. I think they should have waited a couple more years. Not a couple more years, but waited a year to see what he's what he's going to do. Try to see, you know, if if he's going to get some motivation to try and win because remember he's never played in a in a playoff game before, but they think he will. Okay. Well, here's your chance, Wentz. Here's your chance. Let's see if Carson Wentz can uh can get to the playoffs this coming year, but also Let's see if he can beat this Vikings team like Nick Foles can. 38-7, by the way, going into the fourth quarter. For 20. Super Bowl 51, they were down 28-9 to and won 34-28 to in overtime in Super Bowl 49. They trailed 24-14 and won 28-24. to Here's the call for that headbutt. Actually, two of them. <laughs> One was Watkins, the other was Clement. You, you talk about the Patriots and their accomplishments. I mean, it, it is game for Jeffrey Lurie. On fourth down, Keenum wrapped up, got it away. Philadelphia. All I'm watching right now is the the thing is right. What I'm watching right now is the Philadelphia Eagles talking a lot of trash because they know they're going to the Super Bowl, talking a lot of trash, doing their fly Eagles fly. It reminds me a lot of the Green Bay Packers. 
Reminds me a whole lot about the Green Bay Packers, who who whooped us. Aaron Jones, by the way, got fined for doing the for waving goodbye in the in the end zone. Taunting is what I was is what he should have been called on. The refs didn't call it, by the way. Of course they didn't, but you know that's the, the referees are terrible. But he got fined 10k, and he was like, the the picture was worth 10k. It, it wasn't that. It wasn't worth 10k to me. But who do the Packers play this week? They play against the Lions on Monday Night Football on ESPN. They play against the Lions. The, the Lions. I wonder if Aaron Jones will do that little twinkling his little fingers in Lambeau Field against the Detroit Lions. Wonder if they'll do that in Detroit. Wonder wonder if, wonder if they'll do that in Lambeau. Wonder if wonder if he'll have some Lambeau leaps. Wonder if Aaron Jones will like to fork over another couple ten thousand dollars, waving goodbye to the Detroit Lion players as he dances into the end zone. I wonder if that's going to be something that he already has set on his mind already. But the Philadelphia Eagles and the Green Bay Packers they have they have this interesting situation where both of them they love to to get in their feelings you know after Dak Prescott threw his third and final interception which by the way was pass interference and Dak literally does did what Aaron Rodgers does all the time and what he did was is that he threw it to the he threw it in the direction of Michael Gallup because there was obvious pass interference on Michael Gallup just like Aaron Rodgers does to attract attention to the pass interference, so that way it's an easy call, but instead the refs don't call it, it's an interception, and the, the, like, the defensive end gets in a Dak's face, and he starts taunting him, and I'm like, okay, okay, so you're starting to feel yourself, right? I wonder, I wonder if you're gonna feel yourself against, uh, the Detroit Lions. I wonder if you're gonna stop Matthew Stafford the same way that you stopped Dak Prescott. Oh, wait, you didn't! You didn't stop him! You didn't stop Dak, now did you? I wonder if Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to hand the football off to Aaron Jones the same way that he handed it off in Dallas. I wonder if, you know, in, in Lambeau, of course. I wonder if there will be an upset. I wonder if the Vikings, or the, excuse me, the Lions will be able to beat the Packers. I just, I, I, I kind of wonder. Very, very interested to see what the Packers are going to do to the Lions. But you have probably are like 24. Get to your freaking point. I've been sitting here for freaking almost 50 minutes and you still haven't given up. You, you still haven't made the point about the Vikings and the Eagles. Don't worry. I'm getting to the point. But what I'm trying to say is, is that if you taunt, if you're, if you're in the words of who was it? If you're in, in Richard Sherman, he, he apologized to Baker because he's like, Baker didn't shake my hand. And everybody saw him dapping it up. But Richard Sherman made a great point. He said, if you don't respect this league, the league will force you to respect it. If you disrespect us, we will force you to respect us. Like in prison, you don't respect those guys, they will force you to respect them. It's all about respect. And both of these teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings, not the Minnesota Vikings, the, uh, the, the Green Bay Packers, they have been disrespectful. And they got put in their places very, very quickly because you have the wrath of the entire league. 
coming down on you. You have it's not it's not microscopic anymore. It is, it is, or it is microscopic. It is as focused as it can get. Mark my word, circle the date, man. Detroit is going to mob the Packers. And the Vikings are going, they're playing in my in Minnesota. They are playing in their home stadium. Wentz is in trouble, man. He's in trouble. Take over. And there was Fletcher Cox yet again. What a postseason he's had. What a career he's had. I mean, Stefan Diggs is, I've never seen this before. Uh, from Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs usually doesn't draw, you know, doesn't jabber on with the opposing team. There's this one clip where Adam Thielen was talking to Bill Belichick for some weird. I don't, I don't know what the hell he was talking to him about. About, but now Stefan Diggs is talking to the Viking, not the Vikings, to um, to the freaking, to the, to the what's it called? The Eagles defense. He's talking a lot of trash right now. As he's walking off the field and Foles is there because I I think the Vikings, they didn't convert on fourth down or something like that. Like, I've never seen the Vikings be this, like, disturbed in my entire life. We'll be right back. I mean, the Eagles are waving goodbye because he knows that this this is a chance to go to the Super Bowl in Minnesota, and they just missed it. In Minnesota, their hometown, their home stadium. They ain't going to the Super Bowl, and they know it. After this message from State Farm. Kyle Rudolph, the tight end, great tight end, captain of the team, trying to hold Diggs back. That's Fletcher Cox, and, you know, the, the athletic ability for a man his size and the challenges that he presents. We talked about the emphasis they have on him coming into this game, and he has been turning it loose and pretty good coverage. I mean, the the Eagles player, as soon as the play is over, Fletcher Cox gets the sack. He starts to yammer on in, in, uh, in Stefan Diggs' ear, man. I'm trying to tell you. An ass whooping is coming. It's coming for that eagle, that Eagles team, man, and I don't think Carson wins because there's a this there's that phrase. Sometimes your mouth writes checks that your ass can't cast, man. The Eagles have written a big old fat one. They're about to take a big old fat L in Minnesota. And there's some of the frustration that's coming out, and not easy when you realize Peterson and the Philadelphia Eagles are going to Super Bowl Fifty. Even the players are doing it. Even the players are doing the skull chant, man. Two. They didn't play. They didn't play the skull chant. Hold on. Let me let me try and find it. I won't spend too much time on this because we also got to go to the NFL's actual predictions. But I won't. I'll, I'll try to spend as as little time on this as I possibly can. But um, they kept on freaking screaming the skull chant, man. The players were doing it. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, they go from no from full from skull to falls. Okay. Hold on. Let me mute this. I'm trying to find it. 
I'm trying to find, like, the clip. It's, like, five seconds. Ah, Jesus. At least I don't have to watch a freaking ad. Oh, yeah, and, uh, uh I, I got, I gotta say this. I'm watching the fumble, right? Watching the fumble. They have these hot girls with freaking boob jobs on the show, and they always, like, they always have these freaking long-ass videos for, like, a three-second clip, and this girl unironically is wearing a, a Eagles jersey, and she's like, whoa, look at my team, my team won, my team beat the Vikings 38-7. to I'm like, were you really a, an Eagles fan before this game? Really? It doesn't seem like it. I, I have no idea who this girl is. She, probably, she quite possibly could be, but ah, the timing annoys me. It annoys me. Yes, the- that's the clip. But doesn't that sound like skull? It doesn't sound like foals. Let me let me try and does she have another clip? No, she just rambles on for another two minutes. It's like two seconds, but it sounds like skull. It doesn't sound like foals, right? This doesn't sound like foals. Putting their own spin on the chant. Take a look. Yes, it sounds like skull, right? I'm not it. I know what they're trying to say. They're trying to say foals, but doesn't it sound like skull? I don't know. I may have been confused. I'll admit that. But the Eagles will have to cash that check, man. They will have. They will have. To go up against this team in Minnesota tomorrow, man. When do they play again? I want to see. I want to see early on whether they 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 play. Ooh, twelve o'clock. It's a twelve a.m. game. Twelve p.m. game technically. I I want. I, I cannot wait for that game. I cannot wait to see those damn Eagles play against those doggone those doggone Minnesota Vikings. But here's the NFL's actual prediction. I'll mute myself for this up opportunities for the guys on the outside. Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, Kirk Cousins being able to make plays. I believe they are able to continue to run the ball like they've been running. 166.4 yards per game average. I think they're going to be a tough out. I like the Minnesota Vikings. I like what they're doing. Yeah, Minnesota Vikings look great running the ball, and it took a lot of pressure off Kirk Cousins. And what do you know? Kirk Cousins played much better. Got on the same page there with Adam Thielen in that ball game. But the Philadelphia Eagles who had no pass rush early in the season, coming off a week where they got 10. Yeah, double-digit sacks uh, last week. Now, this is an offensive line much better uh, than the one they faced with the Jets. And, and you look at the battle. You mentioned the run game for Minnesota last week. This Eagles run defense, Buck, it's, it's first in the league in yards per game. They've been outstanding. And to me, the key to this game, we haven't seen Fletcher Cox go off yet. And he's going to get a chance against the guy we both love and Garrett Bradbury, very talented young center. But this is going to be a big, big challenge for him going up against Fletcher. And if I'm, if I'm Jim Schwartz, I'm going to put him uh, head up a little bit, especially in some passing situations, and see if he can't get after Garrett Bradbury. Look, I like the plan. I like what you're thinking. I just wonder about the execution. This run game, this run scheme with Dalvin Cook has been phenomenal. He's terrific with the ball in his hands. I just think he has a little too much juice, and he's going to set up some big plays where the Minnesota Vikings can attack the perimeter. That's the Eagles' weakness, and I think it shows up when the Vikings get a win at home.
I, you're going to go with the Vikings on that one. I'll take the Eagles on the road behind Carson Wentz, who forget the numbers. I don't care what the numbers say, playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL right now. I forget the numbers. I, I don't care about the numbers. He's playing as well. Well, I have the numbers. They're not as good as Mahomes. They're not as good as Dak. They're not as good as, uh, as Wilson. Let me look up Murray. Let me look up Kyler. What are Kyler's numbers? What are his numbers? Keep in mind. Keep in mind. Kyler Murray does not have a does not have a legit number for no 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 no. Kyler Murray is not on as good of a team as the Eagles, right? He's just not on as good of a football team as the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just that simple. He doesn't have the offensive line. He doesn't have the defense. He doesn't have the wide receivers. He doesn't have the running backs. He doesn't have the head coach. Because we don't know about Cliff Kingsbury yet. But Kyler Murray, check this out. This is what this is what you should really, really be aware of. Kyler Murray is on probably one of the worst teams in the NFL. Check this out. Check his numbers. Week one against the Lions. This is a good team, by the way. A team that beat the the uh, the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, but he tied with 537, uh, not 537, oh my God, 53.7% completion percentage, 308 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, 75.2 passer rating. Okay? Against the Ravens, 62% completion percentage, 349 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, Passer rating, 90. Against the Panthers, 69% completion percentage, 172, 73 yards, excuse me, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 73.1 passer rating. Against the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's team, 10 points, by the way. 68% completion percentage, 241 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, 77 passer rating. Against the Bengals, 62 Five percent completion percentage, two hundred fifty-three, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, eighty-seven point one passer rating. He's a rookie. He's a baby. But do you want to know something interesting? Kyler Murray has a better completion percentage and more yards. I don't think he has a better passer rating. No, he doesn't. And he has, he's four for four, so he has a one-to-one touchdown interception ratio, and he has four touchdowns on the season. But he has better yards, better completion percentage than Carson Wentz. Without anything, really. Can you name his wide receivers besides Larry Fitzgerald? Christian Kirk for me, but I, I don't know any of his wide receivers, if I'm honest with you. I don't even know if he has a tight end. I don't know who his tight ends are. He's doing it, man. He's doing it without... Or at least he's trying to do it with literally nothing, man. 62.7% completion percentage to Carson Wentz's 60%. But you don't care about the numbers, I guess, do you? By the way, Carson Wentz has 1,100 yards. But you don't care about it, his numbers. His numbers. I don't care about his numbers. He, uh... He, he, He's playing like he's playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, right? Playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. 
So I guess that's why he lost to Detroit and Atlanta. Okay. To go with the Vikings on that one. I'll take the Eagles on the road behind Carson Wentz, who forget the numbers. I don't care what the numbers say. Playing as well as any quarterback in the NFL right now, I think he puts his team on his shoulders. The Eagles go on the road in a very competitive. Puts his team on his shoulders. Let's check the box score. Let's just let's just you know let's just check that out. Let's just see if his team gets put if if the team puts him on their shoulders. Let's just see. Where's this team? Where's the Eagles? Let's just, let's check this out. Very, very interested to see if Carson Wentz puts his football team on his back. Excluding the Eagles. Not even, not even going to do the losses. Let's just check the wins. Excluding the, excluding the Washington team. Not the Eagles, excluding Washington. So you're going to, we're going to discount three games, right? I'm not worried about the losses. Let's just see in the wins. Carson Wentz, 16-27, 160 yards, three touchdowns. That's weird. Three touchdowns, but 160 yards? That's weird. Oh, wait. His running backs have 150 yards. One of them has two touchdowns against the Packers. Huh, what you, and it's Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard, number 24. Ironically, 24, right? Jordan Howard had 5.8 yards per carry. Miles Sanders, the guy who had 72 yards, 6.5. But Carson wins. He sure does put his team on his back. Let's let's check out the Jets. Let's look at the Jets, huh? The Eagles, they have 31, 31 yards. 31 points, excuse me. Man, 31 to 6. Carson Wentz must have... Blown the front doors open. Oh, wait, 17 of 29, 189 yards. One touchdown. Oh, my goodness. What's going on? Even the running backs aren't playing very well now. Miles Sanders, 1.7 yards per attempt. The only guy that had some yards, 4.8, was Jordan Howard. 62 yards on 13 carries, one touchdown yet again. But then you look, Rodney McLeod, one interception, I think he returned it. Another guy, Nathan Gary. Another touchdown. You start to see, you start to look around and you're like, wait a second. Carson Wentz didn't do a whole lot of stuff during that Philadelphia versus New York football Jets game. Wasn't one of the key contributors, but he sure does put his team on his back now, doesn't he? He sure does, doesn't he? Game and beat a very good Vikings team. Beat a very, very good Vikings team. Mm, mm, mm. All right, now. Let me all that play. Let me go off that. I'm predicting a huge upset. A 30. I, I think they're going to hang 30 on them. The Vikings. I think they're going to put up 30, and I think Wentz is going to fold. I think he's going to fold. I think what the Vikings are going to do is they're going to be like, we remember what you guys did to us last year in 2018 during the NFC Championship game. We remember. We, we remember how you guys on that sideline did the skull chant, and I have no idea why this game wasn't on Sunday night. No idea why. 
Hey, NFL. Hey, NFL. Why don't you schedule some teams with some history against one another every now and again, huh? Who's who's playing on Sunday night? What's the game? What is the game? Steelers versus Chargers? By the way, I was just reading in an article during that video that apparently Paxton Lynch, yeah, he's supposed to be the, uh, goodness gracious, he's supposed to be the guy now. Paxton Lynch, the guy that was on, I, I, I don't even know how many teams he's been on, but he was supposed to be the guy that uh, the Broncos got that was supposed to be the best quarterback taken in the draft. Dallas wanted him. Thank God they didn't get him because he would have been a bust. He kind of is a bust. But he got he was on the practice squad earlier this week, and because Mason Rudolph is now in concussion protocol, guess who's now starting for the Pittsburgh Steelers in Sunday night football? Yeah, Mason Rudolph. No, you guessed wrong. It's not Mason Rudolph. It's that guy. Freaking, what's his face? What's his face? Uh, uh, what, what's, what's his damn name? I can't remember his name. Paxton Lynch. His name, he, he is such a forgettable football player. I literally forgot his, his name in a span of a couple of minutes. In a couple, in, in, not even in a couple of minutes, in, a, in, in less than a couple of minutes. And in about a minute, forgot his damn name. Couple of sentences. He is such a forgettable football player. And apparently, if he gets if he gets hurt, if he's down, guess who's starting? As the quarterback. Ryan Switzer. The wide receiver, if you've never heard of him. He's a wide receiver. Jesus Christ. But that's on Sunday night instead of Philadelphia at Minnesota. Drama ensues. Pretty good game. Uh, Steelers versus Chargers. Really, NFL? That's your Sunday night football game? Really? Also, Eagles at Atlanta? What? How do you not see some of this stuff going on, you know? How do you not see it? What's the beef? When I, whenever I think of scheduling a Thursday night football game or a, a primetime game, I want a good team, I want good teams, and I want a rivalry. I want tension. I want there to be a fight. I want it to be a great game, right? Last week, it was Colts versus Chiefs. This week, it was uh, it, on Monday night, Browns versus 49ers. Snooze fest, but it was very, very interesting to see Nick Bosa plant that damn flag in San Francisco against Baker Mayfield, who did it in Ohio. Very, very interesting football game. My point being is that there's some pretty good primetime games going on on Sunday, but I, I just, I can't get behind this Steelers versus Chargers. Hindsight 2020, but also, like, have have some, like, common sense, you know? You don't even put the Philadelphia Eagles versus the Vikings at a three o'clock slot, you know? That's, that's just what, that's what blows my mind. It's like, you don't even put it on a three o'clock slot? Come on, man. Doesn't make any sense to me. I predict the Vikings will beat the stuffing out of the Philadelphia Eagles 30 to 10. Or 31 to 10. I don't know. I think it will be an absolute bashing of epic proportions. And people will come out and say and give a bunch of excuses as to why the Philadelphia Eagles are not in trouble or whatever. Oh, Jesus. 
But let's get on to the topic that you're really, really focused on, that I've really, really kind of put to the back. Uh, Dallas's new coach. I just saw him today. Great. He, he did a great job coaching um, Oklahoma to yet another victory against Texas. As someone who is from Central Texas, as someone who was, grew up uh, with a bunch of freaking longhorn crap in and around my area, I used to live in Georgetown, Texas. Still love Texas, still live in Texas, love Texas. But Jesus Christ, man, you've got to be kidding me. The Texans, they, they they held them. They almost did. But that offense, that what Sam Ellinger, Jesus Christ, man. Oh, my goodness. That Texan, that Texan team, man, frustrates the crap out of me. Want to know why it frustrates the crap out of me? Because there is some of the best talent in the entire state of Texas, just untapped, untapped resource. That gets just, uh, that gets just freaking that 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 goes to all of these other state universities like Oklahoma, like Alabama. Baker Mayfield was in Austin, so was Patrick. Like like Patrick Mahomes was in Tyler, Texas, which is just outside Austin. They can't get these guys. How can you not get Mayfield and Mahomes? They couldn't even get. Damn it. Kyler Murray and Murray went to A and M, and then once he went to A and M, like this, this is the this is the depressing part. A and M didn't play him and didn't start him for some unknown reason. Kyler Murray. So A and M is at fault as well. It pisses me off to no end. I hate I, I some of these Texan teams, man. Like everyone is talks about this this uh what's it called the the A and M versus the Longhorn rivalry. You both suck. You both stink. Neither one of you can attract valuable uh, uh, high school, at what's it called, draft prospects, recruits, whatever it's called. You can't get your own guys in your own damn state. These two teams should be fully loaded, and they are anemic at best. It's a sad day when Texas colleges can't get Texas high school students to come and play for them. Sad day. And it sure is a cold day in hell. I feel, I'm, I'm, I got, it's so chilly, I gotta get my, my coat out of my closet. Jesus Christ, man. But I saw Lincoln Riley coaching it up. And you know what interested me? I, I about that, uh, Oklahoma versus the Texas game. The thing that interested me the most. It was the simplicity of the fact that it wasn't the Oklahoma. The Oak. Oklahoma. La Homa. Had to sound it out. Wasn't the Oklahoma. Jesus Christ, hold on. Oklahoma. Here we go. Sorry about that. It wasn't the offense that absolutely beat the, the Texans defense. It wasn't the offense. It wasn't Jalen Hurts. It was some Jalen Hurts here and there, but make no mistake, it was that damn defense. That defense stopped them. And they made the adjustments to secure the win. Even though they were struggling offensively, defensively. They were struggling, man. Not defensively, but offensively. They were struggling. And they pulled it out 34-27. to 27. By the way, that 27 pretty much came within the last minute and 50 seconds of the game. So it really wasn't at 34-27. Uh, to 27. It was really 34-20. to 20. You knew they weren't winning the damn football game. Texas wasn't. So you have these two teams, Oklahoma, 
Oh yeah, by the way, uh, what what's it called? The Sooners, I think they scored a field goal or a touchdown on 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 like one of the final drives of the game, and it just it was over at that point. <clears throat> but you have these two teams. You have you have the Oklahoma Sooners, not the not the two teams, but the the coach Lincoln Riley. Sorry, I'm a little bit tired. You have the coach doing his job, coaching the team, making sure Jalen Hurts, a guy who, under Nick Saban, one of the best head coaches ever, looked anemic. Jalen Hurts did in Coach Saban's Alabama offense. But then once he gets to Lincoln Riley, once he goes down to Oklahoma, he now is in the running for Heisman Trophy candidate, for Heisman Trophy winner. And he looks like he's the best candidate for it. And just last year, he was easily, easily, and in, even the year before that, when they had Tua, he was easily like one of the like least, he, he, he was anemic. He looked bad. He looked like he was going to be a backup court. He may be one of the highest drafted football players in next year's draft. You do realize that, right? If he comes out next year. If Tua comes out as well, he still may be up there. That's what Lincoln Riley can do for the quarterback and the defense. He lets his guys coach and he elevates everybody around him. Unlike Jason Garrett, who with one of the best uh, pass rushers in the league, one of the best linebacking, uh, linebacking cores in the league, one of the best corners in the league, uh, one of the best offensive lines in the league, the best running back in the league, one of the best, uh, not one of the best wide receivers in the league, but a pretty good wide receiver, uh, one a, a really, really cool and great up-and-coming wide receivers in Michael Gallup, a quarterback who has pretty much bailed him out of every bad situation and has saved him his job for the past three years with all that stuff. Three and two. Going into week six. And you know what? I was thinking about this hard today. Because I'm a thinker and I was, you know, I had, I, I had to shovel some dirt. I had to dig a hole. Don't ask me why, but I had to dig a hole. And when you're in that zone, when you're doing some manual labor, it's kind of like being in prison. All you got is time to think. So I was thinking about Garrett and I was like, man, Garrett has really had a lucky break in Dallas, especially. He really, really has. He's had Tony. He's ruined Tony's career. He's ruining Dak's career. And you got to ask yourself, if it was Bruce Arians, would we be having these discussions? Because we see what happens when Bruce Arians, I mean, he steps into town and he's like, I I get it. He was with Atlanta, or not Atlanta, Arizona. And now he's with the Bucs. But the Bucs, I mean, he's making Jameis Winston not look like a bust. He really is. He looks like a four-year franchise type of guy right now under Bruce Arians. We know what all of these other guys can do. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Doug Peterson, Mike Zimmer, all these other head coaches. But when we look at Jason Garrett, I kind of think to myself, I'm like, man, this guy is just, I mean, he's just been dirt lucky, man. Just dirty lucky. 
His ass has got to go. His ass has got to go. Right here, right now. And I remember there was this one time, there was this one play, and this is what separates Jason Garrett from all the other head coaches. Because it's not just his, you know, his mediocrity. It's not just his coach clap. It's not just that stuff. It, it's it's a symptom of the, the bigger issue. I, was, I remember I was watching the Super Bowl 2017. I was like, Brady's got it. He's just, he's going to bail the team out of a terrible situation. Brady's got it. Then he, obviously, the Fletcher Cox interception happened. It was actually a fumble. Fletcher Cox intercepted football. I remember Bill Belichick earlier on. You'd never really see Bill Belichick during the regular season at all. And during the postseason, not the postseason, but during uh, the offseason, you really don't see him at all as well because, you know, other people are focused on other things. But during the Super Bowl, you see Bill Belichick, I think with his girlfriend or his wife, or by himself even, you see him at a Minnesota Timberwolves game. And Bill Belichick never, ever, ever does something like that, ever, in his entire life. You never see him at another sporting event, ever, his entire life. And Super Bowl preparation, uh, that's like saying, you know what, Bill, we're go- you're going to go see a Celtic game during the season. I've never seen Bill Belichick Look at a Celtic game during the season. But when it comes to this postseason, let me type this in really, really quickly. But when you see this po hold on, frick, oh my god, I ah, Jesus Christ, sorry about that. I'm looking for my delete key. There it is. But when you see this professional player, oh my God, not this professional player. I just typed that in. Sorry. But when you see this guy, Bill Belichick, talking about what he needs to do to prepare to win, he's always saying, you know, we're on, you know, we're we're on to Cincinnati. You know, we're on to Miami. You know, we're we're on to these other teams. We're we're focused on these other teams. You know, he says that all the time, but on this particular occasion, he wasn't on a Miami, he was on a Minnesota. And I was trying to find this clip of this League of Legends pro player saying how he would like absolutely murder. I think, I think it's like a Nivea mid or something like that. Let me, let me try and find it. Uh, Nivea mid. I think his name is like, ah, I can't, I can't freak it. I don't know. I don't know. I can't find it. But he was pretty much talking about how um, how he was. I can't I can't remember his name, but he was pretty much talking about how if any of his pro players, like his like not his pro players, but his teammates, had ever played like a game during the WCS, the World Championship Series, which is like the World Cup for League of Legends, which is a video game. If if any of his teammates did that during the World Cup. He would like strangle them and murder them because they're supposed to be focused on League of Legends. That's exactly what Bill Belichick did. He's like, I'm going to take off from my sport and watch another sport, even recreationally. You know, and he lost the Super Bowl because of it. I think that was a contributing factor. And he also took out Malcolm Brown for some unknown reason. 
Nobody knows it. Apparently, he had a cold or something. I don't know. Took out Malcolm Brown. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, we're, we're on, we're on to Cincinnati. We're on to another season. You know? So then you go to Jason Garrett, who just that same year after Bill Belichick shows you, hey, like, don't watch another sport when your team is playing. Jason Garrett, after the Dallas Cowboys traded for Amari Cooper during that bye week, Dak Prescott and Amari are in Dallas throwing the football together, you know, seeing seeing who's who's reading what and who does what, what's what what makes Dak tick, what's makes what makes Amari Cooper tick, all that good stuff. They're trying to figure each other out. They're staying behind. Dallas has a new uh, not head coach, but offensive offensive line coach cuz they fired the other one because the other one was so terrible that they they were like midseason we're firing your ass we can't deal with you anymore but after all of that is done you want to know one of the guys one of the guys the top tier guys the guy that is supposed to be in that chair in that seat that's supposed to be looking at film you want to know where he's at? You want to know where he is? When the Cowboys are 3 and 4 about to be 3 and 5 to the Tennessee Titans. You want to know where Jason Garrett was during that bye week? He was at a Los Angeles Dodgers Dodgers playoff baseball in Los Angeles. He skipped out of town. He left to go to Dallas, not to Dallas, to Los Angeles. And he said, hell with the Titans. We got the Titans wrapped up. I don't know why I have to prepare. I don't know why I have to be there. You guys don't need me. Dak, you need me. I don't need you. You don't need me. You're good, right? Dak's good. He was in Los Angeles. And we all know what happened after that. Dallas, of course, loses to uh, to the Tennessee Titans. They go 3-5. and five. Then, for a lack of uh, a better word, Dallas pulls its head out of its ass and starts winning football games. Lack of a better phrase. Pull their heads out of their ass. Start winning football games. So... I kind of constantly go back to this point of the, uh, not, not the point, but I go back to this quote that shocked and surprised me. I won't, I won't go through the full rundown. If you've listened to the podcast, you already know where I'm going with this. Snow the product is on no jumper. I got to listen to that. Okay. But if you know exactly what I'm talking about with uh with with what I'm with what I'm about to say Derek. with uh Jane Slater and Rich Eisen, you like I won't bore you with it, but pretty much Jane Slater goes on and says the the devil that I know over the devil that I don't, show me better candidates that are better than Jason. I won't show you it. Just know that there's like sixteen, seventeen head coaches that I would rather have over Jason Garrett. Yes, he is that terrible. 
Let's listen to what Jane has to say. By the way, she's an inside reporter for Dallas. She knows a lot more information about the inner workings of the Dallas Cowboys than most, if not all, people. Uh, obviously, besides the people within the organization. She reports. She does stuff like that. Let's listen to what Jane has to say about uh, Jason Garrett and uh, the devil that she knows. Just haven't had a better candidate. I mean, show me someone better that the Cowboys would potentially go after. I'd rather go with the devil that I know, if I'm those guys, than someone that I don't. Well, there is. I'd rather win football games than stick with Jason Garrett. I would rather risk something. What are you? What are we risking? What are we risking? Because we already have the team. The team is already there. This isn't. This isn't like you're putting in a rookie quarterback with a rookie, you know, a rookie, uh, a rookie head coach. Dak's almost a veteran. Zeke's almost a veteran. A lot of the young guys, they're almost veterans. They're almost four plus years in the league. A lot of the guys, not to mention most of the offensive line, they're all veterans. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Travis Fedder, Sean Lee, Jalen is almost a fourth year player. What what determines what would you determine a veteran? A four to five year player? Well, most of the Cowboys that were the young guys, they're now starting to become the older guys. Trying to tell you, it's not the devil that you know that kills you. Or it's not the devil that you don't know that kills you. It's the devil that you do. It's yourself. Work on yourself. Improve yourself. Don't try and convince yourself that it's all of these other things that are around you. No, it is you. It is the Dallas Cowboys. That is the issue. I got to listen to the Snow the Product interview. I actually like her. As a rapper, of course. But my point is, listen, my point is, you have to, as the Cowboys, you have to fire Garrett at the end of the season, regardless of what he does. Because there's no way that he's going, I I, I don't care if he wins a Super Bowl. I don't care if he puts a ring on his finger. Because regardless of what he does, he is not a good head coach. He's re- he really isn't. And I'm not, and I was watching El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie. Great movie, by the way. I may, I may have to go watch it again. And I don't like, you know, and, and there are certain movies that I don't like to watch, but man, was that a great movie. I may have to go watch it again. But I was watching that movie and they were replaying some of the best moments from Breaking Bad. And one of the moments was when Walter White, a.k.a. Heisenberg, I think he, he is being asked, uh, what he wants to do by Aaron Paul's character, Jesse Pinkman. And Jesse's like, you know, what do you want from this? You know, you want to be a drug dealer or do you want, are you doing it for the drugs or do you, are you doing it for the money? What are you trying to build here? Money or drugs? And Walter White, it says, neither. I'm building an empire. That's what I'm doing. That's what New England does. That's what New England did. That is exactly what made the Spurs successful. That is exactly what makes New England successful. That's exactly why. That that's exactly what I want to be. Want the Dallas Cowboys to be. I don't want. I don't want it because because Jerry has it twisted. He's like, I want to win one more, and I want to dip for like the next twenty years. That's what he wants to do. Me, I want an empire. I want this team to be regarded as one of the most fearsome, dangerous teams within the NFL constantly annually every and we have the right guys 
This isn't Romo. This isn't this isn't Dez. This isn't Tio. I don't even know who we had defensively for like 10 years. But we have Jalen. We have Leighton. We have guys that, I mean, we used to have guys like Greg Hardy. Now we're like, we're done with those guys. We got to get high character type of guys as well. Because we're done playing the the low character. Randy Gregory, one of our best pass rushers. I don't even know if he's going to play this 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 season. Don't even know. But what I do know is that Leighton and Jalen are. Dak is. Zeke is. The offensive line, those guys, they are. Once they come off of injury, of course. But I look at Dallas, and I think to myself, I'm like, man. You look at the NFC. In my opinion, the Saints. They're the most powerful team in the league. In that the in, in in the conference, excuse me. Then it's probably the Rams, then it's the 49ers, because the 49ers, have you seen their freaking defense, their front four? I told you. Told you this. That 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 team. The 49ers with four defensive football talents that were drafted, the four, uh, the, the front four, excuse me, of the San Francisco, I'm a little bit tired, I'm sorry, but the front four of the 49ers that were all drafted in the, in the, in the first round, look for them to be an impact team, and they are, so you got the 49ers, you got the Rams, you got the Saints, then you got the Cowboys, got the Cowboys. The NFC is wide open. I'm not even considering the Eagles until they get a new quarterback, really. But the entire NFC is wide open. And it's it's a power vacuum if you find the correct head coach. I think, notice, by the way, notice the two to three teams. Notice all three teams. What are their coaches? What would you say those coaches are? What would you say those coaches are? They are offensive head coaches. Ron Rivera, great head coach, but he's a defensive-minded type of guy of the Carolina Panthers. Mike Zimmer, similar tactic, defensive type of guy. He has a strong running game, but he, he, I think he, I think he was also a wide receiver coach. He's defense. He likes to run the football. Play to his strengths. Play to his defense. Kind of because he, he can't trust his quarterback, by the way. But those two guys up in Los Angeles and San Francisco, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, those are some new, hot, fresh blood that are in the NFL. And I think another guy, I'm, tr- I'm trying to tell you, man, that what a perfect match for Dallas, if you are able to get Lincoln Riley in Dallas, what a phenomenal, all-time, great, just, just, just ma- matching, meeting of the minds. You got a guy who's flashy, but who's also very quiet. Uh, imagine, imagine this. How old is Lincoln Riley? How old is he? How old is he? He can't be more than forty years old. He's 36. He's 36 years old. Imagine you have Lincoln Riley for another 20 plus years. Hot damn, you have 
Jesus Christ, man. Imagine you have one of the one of the top young head coaches in the league in Dallas and he's 36 years old. He's from Lubbock, Texas. He's do you do you for for those of you who don't know where Lubbock, Texas is, I think that's like southeast. That's like southeast Texas. I know I've I've been to Lubbock. I have family in Lubbock. An uncle of mine, he owns a butcher shop in Texas. It's a great butcher shop. But ho ho, hot damn it, man. Lubbock, Texas. That that that's Texas. I don't care what what you say. That's Texas. You don't think he wants a coach for Dallas? Lubbock, Texas. Let me let me Oh, it's it's oh, I'm I'm really really wrong. It's like it is uh it is Northwest Texas. Jesus Christ, that was terribly. Am I thinking of the same Lubbock? Lubbock, Texas? I think so. Excuse me, I was wrong. Why the hell did it only take us like an hour to get from, I must be a different Lubbock. I don't know. But I, I've been to Lubbock, Texas before. I, 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 I don't know. I'm like, am I crazy? Is that the same Lubbock? I don't know. I don't know. But I've been to Lubbock. That's that, that's Dallas country. That is Dallas country up there. You're telling me if you if you go in and you offer him five million a year, ten million a year, he's gonna he won't he won't leave Oklahoma and go to Dallas. Who are you fooling? Jerry needs to listen. This is the time. Jerry needs to put on his recruiting hat because all I've been hearing for twenty years. Jerry's a master recruiter. Jerry's a master. He he recruit he recruits and he pays everybody. He pays everybody. This is the time to to put your money where your mouth is. Go get Lincoln Riley. Let's go create a freaking empire. Let's go win us five damn Super Bowls like we did in the nineties. We should have. We should have. You do realize we should, probably should have five or not five but seven Super Bowls because of Jimmy Johnson. Go get. Lincoln bleeping Riley this offseason. Get him out of Oklahoma and put his ass in Dallas, Texas. Put him in Dallas. We need a young guy. Everybody is getting a young guy. Everybody do not put Kellen Moore in that head coaching spot. Put Lincoln Riley in that freaking head coaching spot. Put him in. Stop changing. Don't don't change the offensive coordinator. The head coach is who we need to freaking change. Change the damn head coach. Change it. Get him out of here. I'm sickened if we, we this is this is the opportunity of a lifetime. This we're not talking about one Super Bowl. We're talking about two, three, four, five, a dynasty created for the next 10 years. That's what I'm talking about. That is why I am so in on getting Lincoln Riley to Dallas. That is why I am so frustrated right now because I just saw his school, school the Houston, not the Houston Texans, excuse me, the University of Texans, Long Texas Longhorns, and Jalen had an, a quote unquote off day, and I think he had like a hundred or like like a hundred yards rushing, a hundred yards passing, and like two or three touchdowns. And Jalen Hurts last year was a bust. He wasn't. He may have been a, a backup quarterback. Lincoln Riley elevates him to probably being a first-round draft pick this offseason. 
This is this is this is the guy, man. This is this is the Jimmy Johnson, except he's offensive. He's offensive. This is the young guy that's going to put us in Super Bowl contention for the next 10 years. This is the guy that's going to help us win. Help us win, not hinder us. Not someone that we have to cover our tracks with by running the football constantly and not exposing some of these other teams' secondaries, which we know we can. This is the guy. This is the guy, not Garrett. Not Kellen. Kellen's not ready. And you know the story with offensive coordinators. Once you get into that role, you can't get out. This is the guy, not Kellen. Get him. Get 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 Lincoln Riley, man. Cliff Kingsbury is doing nobody knew about Cliff Kingsbury. Look at what Cliff Kingsbury is doing without an offensive line and without a running game. Unless I'm mistaken. Let me look up David Johnson. Let me look him up real quick before I before I freaking I lose my mind, man. Let me look up David Johnson. He's rushing for 4.6 yards, 264 yards in six weeks. 4.1 yards, excuse me, in 264 yards. He has 26 receptions. So he has a semblance of a running game, kind of. Well, not really. He has an out of 100-yard game. And really, besides the Bengals, he's had his highest... No, he doesn't have a run game. David Johnson is averaging 3.6 yards a carry. Oh, man. But look at what but look at what Kingsbury's doing with a 3.6 averaging running back. Average running back. I mean... Lincoln Riley is a better version of Cliff Kingsbury. He's a better... And Murray is on fire. Murray's on fire right now. And he has nothing. He ha- he doesn't have his offensive line. He doesn't have a lot of wide receivers. He doesn't have a run game. He doesn't have a defense. Imagine what happens if you give Cliff Kingsbury this, this job in Dallas. He's going to be... He's going to be a... Di- Listen... Forget about the Super Bowl and Sean McVay before people start to say, well, well, Sean McVay lost to Bill Belichick in the Super Bowl. Forget about it. because And, and forget about how Jared Goff is playing. F- and, and focus on Sean McVay. Focus. Jeff Fisher had 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 Jared Goff and Todd Gurley. God, Gurley was almost a bust at that point. Goff was was seen as a bust. And then Sean McVay comes in and turns everything around and they go to the Super Bowl within two years of him going there, being there. Kyle Shanahan, three years. They accumulate draft picks. They don't tank. They try to win, but when, when you have Mullins as your quarterback, a guy that somebody said to me was going to be a really, really good quarterback this season, Mullins, Nick Mullins at quarterback, it's kind of hard to win football games. But look at what happens when you have a head coach with a good quarterback. Kyle Shanahan is now 4-0, 5-0. 4-0, they had a bye week. He's 4-0 this season. Team looks great. Teams look, team looks like one of the best teams in the NFC. Looks better than the Rams, if, I, if I'm honest with you. Way better than the Rams. 
two of the young guys. They're up there with Peyton. Sean Peyton right now is two of the best head coaches in the entire league. I think it's Sean Peyton number one. Not in the entire league, excuse me, but in the NFC. I think it's Peyton number one. Then take your pick. Do you like Sean McVay or do you like Kyle Shanahan more? Me personally, I like Shanahan right now over McVay, but I like McVay probably in the long term. I think he's going to, you know, because a lot of things have been happening terribly. His offensive line hasn't been playing great. Gurley still has the arthritis in his knee. What a surprise. And Goff has not looked the same ever since the Super Bowl. But, I mean, this is the future, man. The younger the younger head coaches, they are decapitating the older ones. Rex Ryan, Rex Ryan, he, he is out of the he, out of the league. The guy, what's his name? The UCLA head coach? He's now out of the league. He had to go to college football. What's, what's Chip Kelly? Out of the league. Todd Bowles, Jets head coach, defensive guy. He's now a defensive coordinator, I think, in... Uh, in, uh, in in Tampa, the head coach of the Arizona. No, no, no. It's Todd Bowles is the defensive. Co- Hold on. Where is Todd Bowles? What what team does he coach for? Todd Bowles. What team does he coach for? Tampa Bay. Yeah, I was right. Then where does the guy, the Bryant, uh, not the Tampa Bay. I think he does work for Tampa Bay. There was this, uh, the Arizona uh, Cardinals head coach. I think he also goes to Tampa Bay or something like that. I don't know. Or he's with the Jets or the Browns or something like that. But you have some really, really good, great defensive coaches in the league. They, they, they're, man, they're, they're, they're DCs. They're defensive coordinators. They're skill position players, not uh, players, but coaches. You get it? And I look around the league and it's young coaches sprouting up. Should we jump on the new trend? Yes. Of course we should. Want to know why? Because the new trend is working. For the past couple of years, right, there have been this influx. Because now now imagine if if the head coaches, let me take a swig of my, my power rate. Let me break it down to you uh, really, really quickly. Hold on. Let me take a swig of my power rate, then I'll continue. Sorry about that. But let's just let's just detail this, right? Let's just look at this in a different perspective. If the NFL coaches were like the US economy, we just came out of a great recession, right? We came out of a recession where Chip Kelly, uh what's his face, Rex Ryan, Jay Gruden, guys like that were out, you know, were in the league and now they're all Todd Bowles, all these guys, you know, they're they're defensive coaches, it doesn't work. Defensive head coaches, they don't work anymore. The Shanahan's, the Sean McVay's, they're the guys that brought the economy back up. They're the catalyst to all of these, you know, all of this new spending within the league. All of this new spending within the economy. Now you're going to have guys like John Gruden, he's supposed to be the quarterback whisperer. Look at what Oakland, look at what happened. They just beat the Bears defense. I don't care. I don't care. I do not care who is the quarterback. They just beat Khalil Mack, who was getting triple teamed on some of those damn plays. Offensive head coaches are the way to go. Lincoln Riley. How how long has he been coaching? 
How long has he been coaching? He's been at Oklahoma um, for, uh, for what, two years, two, three years. Let me, let me go to this. He was the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma from 2015 to 2017 when he became the Oklahoma head coach. Let me look at his, uh, his coaching tree. Let me, let me look at this. Let me look at everything. He worked for Mike Leach, Texas Tech, 2003 to 2009. East Carolina, Ruffin McNeil, 2010 to 2014. Bob Stoops, 2015 to 2016. I mean, I'm trying to tell you, man, this dude is this dude is phenomenal as a head coach. He's been coaching for almost 15 years, 16 years, and it's all. College, it's not high school. It's all college. Mike Leach, Ruffin McNeil, Bob Stoops. He's had four years in college once this year is over with. Three back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. He's getting paid 6.5. Give him 10. Give him 10. At least for three to four years. Three to three years, give him ten million. Someone listen, if we don't get him, someone will. Someone will. And I think he is the next great guy. I think he is the next great talent at the coaching position. And this is putting some of you to sleep, but you need to wake up because this is important. For the league, if you don't have a... Listen, Bill Belichick, he may retire within the next 10 to 15 years. Lincoln Riley is going to be coaching in the NFL. He's going to be like a spry 40 to 50. That's spry if you're a head coach. Imagine if he's still with Dallas. When Belichick retires. Or better yet, when Brady retires. The door, the floodgates have opened up. Who's their quarterback? I said, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson goes there. If he gets sick and tired of the Texans BS, he wants to go to a real team that wants to win. Jesus Christ, man. You Imagine, imagine that. Imagine it. Brady retires. They don't get an accurate quarterback. They don't get a good quarterback. They miss out on Brady. They miss Brady for like a year, two years, three, four, however long it takes for them to get a backup. And in that span of time, other teams find quarterbacks. Uh, not find quarterbacks, excuse me. Other teams win Super Bowls. I'm, t- I'm telling you. I am telling you, man. This, this is the guy. He is the guy that we've got to get. That we have. There, there, is, there is no one more important in this offseason as an acquisition for the Dallas Cowboys than one Lincoln Riley. We got some contracts to sign, but when it comes to getting people, when it comes to getting talent, this is the most important guy available. But like the song says, hey, we got to go. This has been 24. This has been 
24's podcast, the best video game and sports podcast on the interwebs. Available on, not, oh my God, hold on. On Spotify, this podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Google Cast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public. Pretty much where you can find any podcast, you can find 24's podcast. Oh wait, before I, um, before I end the podcast, hold on, wait a minute. Before I end it off, send it off. And by the way, let me, all right, there we go. Let me uh let me make my final predictions for tomorrow cuz um I'm not going to watch any of the noon o'clock games. I don't, I don't have any of the noon games at all. So it's not like I could be like, "Oh yeah, you know, I want to I want to watch the I want to watch the noon games. The noon games, the noon games." No, I can't do that. I don't have any of the noon games. I don't have any of the noon the any of the good noon games. How many, let me let me look up. Hold on. NFL schedule. Let me let me look up the noon games that I have to, uh, tomorrow. I have the Carolina Panthers. That's the 8.30. Then I have the Saints versus the Jaguars. Uh, maybe Breeze is playing in that game. I don't know. Then I have... Wait, do I seriously have this game? No, this is a 3 o'clock game. I have the 49ers at Los Angeles. That's a great game. Uh, but it's it, it airs at 6 o'clock. Or 3 o'clock through 6 o'clock. And then I have the Cowboys versus the Jets. Which we're, we're obviously going to record and watch that game. Yeah, I don't have any of the noon, the good noon games. That sucks. But until my next pod. Until tomorrow at 3 o'clock where we will be watching the Dallas Cowboys. I hope you have a fantastic day. And I'll see you next time.